Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 244, I think. Doesn't matter anyway. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton, bleedinggreennation.com. A lot going on in Philly sports, uh, the NFL draft. We're recording this, by the way, on Saturday morning, uh, the day before Easter. Uh, The Sixers tip off in their... Uh, game one match, uh, match, <laughs> game one matchup against the Toronto Raptors uh, later today. Uh, the NFL draft is now only what twelve days away. Brandon, oh, there goes Just my ring doorbell notification. Let's get that off. Boom, Who's at the done. door, Jimmy? That was my. Uh, it's Kristen was leaving the house. Kristen uh, Roach of Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors was leaving the house. Uh, so how you doing, buddy? Jimmy. Couldn't be more happy to be here with you. We're, we're close to the NFL draft. That sounded maybe sarcastic. It wasn't. Um, uh, we have a really big show for the listeners today. Every show is a big show, but this one I think is this especially. Is a good one. This, is a, this, is a fun, this is a fun version of the show, we've, yeah. We've got a game. It's, it's always fun when we've got a game to play. So uh, that's very good. I like how you went with it doesn't matter anyway instead of who cares for the uh, following. <laughs> that's, that's a new thing okay. uh, for the top of the show. Before we get into the meat of today's show, and I use the word meat on purpose because if you're looking to add some meat to your life or non-meat snacks, you can get those by going to Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. That is RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code works at WildNaturePet.com for 15% off dog treats. But without any further delay, Jimmy, would you like to announce... To the listeners, the game we have today. Yes. So we're going to draft players uh, that we think the Eagles are going to draft. Is that confusing? I don't know. Uh, But we're basically just going to kind of go, we're going to bat it back and forth. And we're going to cover a lot of different players that the Eagles could potentially pick in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. But we'll do it in our own draft format. Uh, Because I won last year with my selection of Devontae Smith uh, out of Alabama. Uh, I get to choose whether I want to pick first or whether I want to have picks two and three. And Brandon, I'm going to take picks two and three, which means wow, Brandon Lee Gowton, you are on the clock, good sir. Who's I'm your on the first cl- pick? I'm on the clock. A little more historical context before I make my selection. We started doing this, Jimmy, in 2020, so two okay. years ago now. Uh, you had the first overall pick. You took Justin Jefferson, and you should have won, but you didn't because <laughs> the Eagles didn't do that. And I took Jalen Rager yeah. at second overall. Okay. And I ended up winning. And then last year. Oh, did you? You had him second overall. He wouldn't have even been second overall for me. Yeah. And that's, and to be funny. clear, if we didn't already kind of make this clear, we're drafting the most likely players that the Eagles yes. are going to draft 
and that's an important distinction to make. Yeah, than not what we our think preferences. They dis- yeah, this, we'll, we'll get to preferences at the end of the show. We have a little like mini activity that we'll do uh, if you care about that at all. But, we're, you know, we're trying to read the tea leaves and obviously use historical data in our analysis of the roster and everything and, and where the team is kind of maybe hinting and pre-draft visits. We're trying to take all the information that we have and kind of yeah. and maybe things we're hearing or whatever or not hearing and give you a sense of what's most likely. So you kind of, you know, are prepared maybe for what could happen. Um I lost last year because you took Devontae Smith, as you mentioned, and I had Quiddy Pay, uh, Gregory Rousseau, and Jalen Waddell as my first three picks. So okay. not even close. Um, we each drafted six players last year. We're going to do eight players this year with the Eagles picking at number 15. It's not an even number, so we're going to you know have to overshoot it a little bit. All right, Jimmy, I am taking Devontae Wyatt at number Ooh. one overall. Okay. It's not what I want the Eagles to do, but it's what I think <laughs> that they could do. It's kind of going back to the quitty pay well of doing the thing that or predicting the thing that would be probably most frustrating to me and a lot mm-hmm. of Eagles fans. And I don't think it's unrealistic from the standpoint of the Eagles value the trenches. Obviously, they value defensive tackle, defensive linemen in the first round historically under Howie Roseman. It's happened quite a bit. Uh, and not even just defensive linemen, but obviously offensive linemen as well. Devontae Wyatt you know, comes with this high profile from being you know, on the national championship defense mm-hmm. from Georgia and everything. I just think you look at his profile from a standpoint of he's 24 and a half in his rookie season. That's pretty old for a prospect. He does not have great sack production at all. The numbers are, like I would say, pretty low so like astonishingly low for mm-hmm. what you would expect from a first round defensive tackle maybe some of that is because he's playing with really good defenders around him and he's being asked to do certain things someone on twitter last week jimmy when i had mentioned that the eagles should not draft Devonte wyatt and i specifically think i said like they should just fire howie at that point if they draft him in the first round uh with their first round pick that he led the lead or led all college football in pressures for a certain amount of time and that to me, just I, I don't. That's not enticing enough. Sorry, uh, I, I you need to get more out of that spot. I think Devontae Wyatt maybe might be a nice player, especially for a team that might be more ready to win now. But you specifically look at where the Eagles are, and they're not in this all-in mode. And you're trying to you know find these really uh, maybe a special building block player for the future, and that just doesn't seem like that is that kind of player to me, or at least the bet to make. Maybe he turns out to be that way, but given the information we know about Devontae Wyatt. Wyatt headed into the NFL draft. Oh, and by the way, I think I had just seen some things on Friday night about potential character concerns with him as well. You know, we'll see if those are legit. I hadn't I, seen that. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of floating around out there. I don't want to, you know, say it's a hundred percent. I don't know. I don't have that information, but I and just it's another red flag for me on uh, a profile that already has other red flags. So, so why is he number one? Uh, because <laughs> I'm afraid the Eagles will do it, and maybe I'm being too cynical. But uh, that's who I have at the top spot. By the way, sidebar, I hate, hate with a passion the stat hurries because they're, they're applied like wrongly, frankly, I think. Like you, talk, you hear about uh, all the hurries, quote unquote, that Derek Barnett had last year. BS. Yeah. Nonsense. He wasn't around the quarterback all that much. And when he was, he got called for like personal foul, like roughing the passer penalties. Um, they have a stat. Uh, for almost sacking the quarterback, but not actually sacking the quarterback. It's called a QB hit, and they are pretty, you know, th- those are a lot more black and white uh, in terms of determining what is a QB hit and what isn't and what is a pressure and what isn't. So get, get out of here with the, with the pressure. Like, pressure is nice, 
but it ultimately like quarterbacks still get the ball off under pressure and they still complete passes under pressure a lot less likely when they're getting hit and and obviously they're not getting the ball off at all if they get sacked so anyway a little sidebar there with my first overall pick second overall in the draft uh, i'm gonna take jermaine johnson Hmm. from florida state and i don't think he's gonna be there when the eagles pick at 15 but i do think that the eagles uh have a really uh you know strong likelihood of trading up in this draft and uh as you mentioned with your reading the tea leaves comment earlier is if i read the tea leaves on this eagle saints draft i think it's interesting that they got a third round pick back in return uh from the saints in this particular draft so now they have two third round picks that gives them the ammo to potentially move up from uh 15 to say and I used this example in a previous podcast, but say, like, for example, to 10 with the Jets. The Jets badly need uh, wide receiver help. They can get a wide receiver at 10. They can just as easily get a wide receiver at 15. So for a team like them to move back from 10 to 15, uh, still get a good wide receiver, pick up some free picks in the process. I think it makes sense for both sides to be able to do that. And if the Eagles are going to trade up, I think that uh, their most likely position to address is at uh, defensive end, I think cornerback is a possibility too, but defensive end is, you know, the need, like the, the severe need that I think we've kind of talked about uh, all off season. I don't think the Eagles are, you know, closed uh, to adding a defensive end with a premium pick just because they re-signed Derek Barnett, like get out of here with that. Uh, so I, I think that um, a guy like Jermaine Johnson has everything you want in a prospect. He's, uh, he was productive uh, at Florida state. He's got very good athletic measurables. I think he tested like 33rd, out of like, um, uh, like over a thousand prospects since whatever the 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 cutoff like two thousand something like that. Uh, that math bomb guy on Twitter he puts out yeah. those charts. You um, talk about uh, he, relative athletic score RAS. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. He's thirty third, uh, I guess, all time in terms of athletic testing for edge rushers. Uh, so he's got that. He, he's around a four five eight forty, I believe, at the forty, which isn't everything. Uh, but his other uh, athletic measurables was, were good. He's six five. He's like two fifty five, two sixty, something like that. So he's got he's got decent size, productive, athletic. Weird career in that he had bad grades coming out of college. Uh, had to go to a JUCO school. Transferred to Georgia. Didn't get enough playing time there to his liking. Played well when he did play. So it's not it's not like he like. Didn't play well when he was there. He played well and couldn't get on the field because they were so stacked. Uh, went to Florida State. The game that like really stood out to me was early in the year. Uh, like One of the first games of the, of the college football season, he played against uh, Notre Dame. And he and Kyle Hamilton were like the clear uh, stands out, standouts in that game. He was just uh, extremely disruptive all throughout that game. And uh, he had a good season the rest of the way. So uh, if the Eagles are going to trade up, I think he's the most likely guy. And then with my third... Overall pick in our draft. I'm going to take Jordan Davis. The well, wait, other... I want to weigh in on your uh, first pick. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yep. uh, I think that is a smart pick by you, Jimmy. I feel like that's been a realistic one really since the Senior Bowl. And we know the Eagles love their Senior right. Bowl guys historically, too. So I he think lit that's it up another... there, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's kind of been like a rising player. I think there's reason to believe, not just throughout this process, but um, just on like his profile. I think there's reason mm-hmm. to believe his best still might be to come. And he hasn't necessarily like, tapped out by any means yet. Um, by the way, Devontae Wyatt, it's uh, five sacks in 42 games. Like, come on. Like, what are we doing here? Um, uh, not to bring it back to him. But, yeah, so I think that's a reasonable pick by you. And edge rusher, definitely still a position that the Eagles have to address and one they value. 
So uh, why don't you get to your second pick, which I'm mad about because I, I, I want the Eagles to draft this player. Yeah, so as I said, Jordan Davis, the other uh, defensive – I shouldn't say the other defensive tackle from Georgia because he's like the better player in my opinion and, and obviously the the more, um, uh, uh, I guess, uh, recognizable player uh, among the two Georgia defensive tackles that are likely to go in the first round in this draft. And we've talked about him already on the podcast, but he's literally the most athletic defensive tackle um, that, that we've seen come out of college uh, for a guy his size anyway. 6'6", like 340. Athletic testing was just insane. And I get the knocks against him in that. Um, how many snaps he's going to play per game for you? Like, is he going to play 30? Is he going to play 40? Is he going to play more than that? Uh, so I get it. Like, I, I understand that um, You ideally you'd like to have a player that is going to play almost all the snaps, either on offense or defense, uh, or at least, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. If you're drafting a defensive line lineman, you're hoping that they can play at least 60 to 70% of the snaps, maybe 80, um, if, if they're like really able to stay on the field a lot. So maybe uh, Jordan Davis is a guy who only plays 50-ish percent of the snaps. Uh, but I think the impact that he can have in whatever snaps he plays will be high. Like he, at a minimum, like his floor is stud run stopper. So you're getting that no matter what with a guy like him. But then I also think like his ability to get after the passer is a little underrated. Like he's extremely nimble. <laughs> like when you watch his tape, he can beat guys with speed. He can beat guys with power and you can't single block him with a center. So mm -hmm. even if he's not getting to the quarterback, you got to double him if he's lined up over the center. And then that gives you one-on-one -on -one matches across the board. Uh, with with your other uh, you know pass rusher, so he's a guy that I think can really affect uh, both the, the the passing game uh, and the run game, and he's what they call a unicorn. Like we talked about, Kyle Pitts sort of being the quote unquote unicorn last year, and that there just aren't guys like him uh, that come out every year. So if you have a chance to add a guy that is just so abnormally uh, you know talented, gifted athletically, and have the size that he has, it's hard to pass a guy like that up. I think it's almost like the Devonte Smith situation last year, where it's like this guy just had one of the you know most prolific seasons for a college football receiver, sorry, college football receiver ever. Won yeah. the Heisman. He plays at Alabama at a high level. Like it's just like, like don't overthink this. Like take Devonte Smith. Like it's it's like a no. <laughs> right. And I think with Jordan Davis, you're talking about not even just one of the most athletic defensive tackles ever. Like or the most athletic defensive tackle ever, like one of the most athletic profiles in NFL history, like yes. only behind Calvin Johnson. And, oh, by the way, <laughs> he won the Chuck Bednarik Award last year for the best college defender in all of college football. Like, maybe don't overthink that. Like, maybe maybe that <laughs> right. guy is, like, actually right. really a stud player and really good. And also, to, like, what you're saying there, Jimmy, such a unique profile that, you know, the spot that the Eagles are in, they're not one player away from – you know, they're not like, you know, contending this year as a Super Bowl favorite. And if they maybe like there's an argument again, where I almost use for Devontae Wyatt, where you could maybe go for like a lower uh, ceiling, higher floor player, because, you know, you're just trying to win this year, which I don't even think that's the best approach to take. But I'm just Agreed. saying like, of course, yeah. the Eagles are in the spot where I think they need to take bigger swings. And why not take a swing on this like special, unique, freak kind of player that's mm -hmm. at a position of need, like we said, with you know, the future of Fletcher Cox and Javon, Javon Hargrave uncertain. Uh, I think this would be a really special ad. And, like, there's a lot of talk, you know, yeah, he's not the best pass rusher or whatever, 
or the, the snap count thing, like you're, you're rotating your defensive tackles anyway. They're never playing 100% of the snaps mm-hmm. in any game. So I think that's a little overstated. And then uh, what was the other thing I just said but forgot? <laughs> uh, about um, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox. Um, so the other thing, uh, defensive tackle. Oh, the, the, like the lack of pass rush. I think that oh, might yeah, 20, be a little. 29 sacks last year the Eagles had, so which was second worst in the NFL. And I think it's a little like overrated how he can't rush the passer just because he's big. Like he's not obviously an elite pass rusher and he doesn't profile as like, you know, like a three tech who's going to be, you know, that in, like, like a Javon Hargrave or, mm-hmm. you know, like, like a Fletcher Cox, like that mm-hmm. in big, uh, you know, that guy's going to shoot up field, but like his sack protection was better than Devontae Wyatt. And he only turned 22 earlier this year. Like, so I think there's any also, by the way, was like a late bloomer or at least kind of came to football a little bit late. Mm-hmm. I think he, he only started playing in like his sophomore year of high school. Um, it hadn't been like a whole, you know, life thing for him. So I still think there's reason to believe like he's not reached his, his ceiling. He's not reached like his final form by any means. I think he still can get better, especially with that athleticism in him. Um, you bring him into an NFL program. Maybe you work on his body more. Maybe you have him shed a little bit of weight and make him a little bit more nimble or, you know, uh, just growing into himself a little bit and, and being coached up. I think there's reason to bet on Jordan Davis's potential. Uh, really like this pick by you. I think the Eagles would take a chance on him because of how unique he is, but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. The other thing too is, uh, uh, just push in the pocket. If, if he does nothing more than that, he makes life easier on the edge rushers coming around the edge, uh, you know, not allowing the quarterbacks to step up in the pocket as easily if, if the pocket's being pushed into his lap. Uh, and then, like, just some of the plays that he makes, running sideline to sideline on, on run plays and screen plays, it's incredible watching a, a, a player that big be able to get to the sideline as fast as he does. So yeah, he's just a a, a special, unique talent that uh, you can't pass on. So he got the last thing I'll say on him um, because I I get the people who are kind of averse to drafting the profile of a run stopping defensive tackle in the first mm-hmm. round. I think most of us would agree with that. I don't think there mm-hmm. are many sure. people who love that, but I think when you get an exception like this, a player who's so exceptional, and I think there's obviously reason to believe he is because of the athletic testing and all of that. Like if you add Haloti Nada, like who's he's been compared to, or like you know not maybe again apples for apples, but someone like Vince Wilfork to the middle of your defense. Yeah, think about those two players. Like those players won championships, and not just because of them. Obviously, they a lot of Vita other things. For, from from Tampa, sure. Another one. and another championship winner. Great point. Like these players can lead to like high level of success. So uh, yeah, I think that's all important to consider. But my next two picks, I'm gonna go the wide receiver route and hopefully take the two, the top two pass catchers off of your board. <laughs> I'm going to take okay. Chris Olave first, All number right. three, who the Eagles he's, are having he's in. the top receiver on my board. Nice. Go ahead. Sniped him. Not that that I, I like that I think the Eagles could right. end up with. Correct. Because yeah. I think there's the, a realistic chance he'll still be on the board for the Eagles at number 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles just brought him in for a pre-draft visit this week. So they're, he's clearly on their radar to some extent. Uh, Chris Olave was also the pick for the Eagles at number 15 in the Bleeding Green Nation community mock draft. So okay. uh, shout out to our pickers there for making that selection. If you want to read that, it's on bleedinggreennation.com. Yeah, I think Olave was a touchdown machine at Ohio State. What was it, 35 right. touchdowns? Uh, he, he constantly found ways to get into the end zone. He can make big plays. I feel like one of my measures uh, of a good player, very scientific here, Jimmy, is during the college football season where – I'm not usually watching all the games live uh, because, you know, 
for those who don't know, Saturday is kind of like the only off day that like people who covering the NFL kind of have during, yeah. during the season. So I'm kind of, you know, out and about or doing something or just relaxing and not necessarily watching every college football game, but I'm still checking my Twitter and I'm seeing, you know, like, like whose name is coming up a lot. And I remember quite a bit of Crystal Lave coming up. Uh, and it's not like I'm only following Ohio State people or anything. So uh, I remember his name coming up quite a bit. Obviously, he can make a lot of plays. I think the Eagles, they need help at receiver. And they couldn't get it by adding it in free agency, obviously, or trade. And it doesn't mean they have to force the pick. But I think the value of a Crystal Lave is right with what the Eagles need. And it makes a lot of sense. And I think he would be a pretty solid selection there in the first round, how do you feel about him? So um, I do my, uh, you know, my five prospects to watch every week during the NFL season, college football season. And I like did not want to profile him for the bulk of the season. And finally I did. And the reason I didn't was because I think his profile is so similar to Devonte Smith's in that they're both skinny receivers. They're both outstanding route runners. Uh, Chris Olave isn't going to, you know, uh, remind anyone of like a Debo Samuel or an AJ Brown in terms of his yards after catch ability. Like he's not, he's just not that kind of player. He's not a tackle breaking kind of player. So I wondered if the Eagles would, you know, double up on the same type of profile of player. And uh, ultimately I decided, well, if they have two different players who can separate and get open and make life easier on their quarterback, maybe that's not such a bad thing. And this off season, uh, I've sort of, um, you know, kind of bumped up the likelihood that the Eagles could take him. And a lot of that is based on their interest in trading for Calvin Ridley, yeah. who is another, you know, six one, hundred ninety pound, skinnyish kind of receiver who, you know, can get separation, can get open and uh and make plays for his quarterback. So um I don't think the Eagles are as fixated on um I think maybe there was a lesson learned on being fixated on a certain type of of receiver that they thought their offense was missing. And that's why they drafted (laughs) instead of Justin Jefferson. So maybe that was a lesson learned and uh, they're just going to take the best receiver that's available as opposed to sort of shoehorning what they think uh, their offense needs uh, in terms of the profile of the receiver. Yeah. I think there's thought that you have to build your receiving core, like a basketball team and you have Mm -hmm. to have, you know, like the certain positions, but uh I just don't think that's necessarily tr- I mean, in a perfect world. Yes, that would be ideal if you mm-hmm. could do that. You know, you have your prototypical X. He's six five. He's like Alshon Jeffrey or whoever. Um, you have, you know, your slot guy who's really shifty. And then you have an X who's like Deshaun Jackson and super speedy. Yes. In a perfect world, that's what you would do. But guess what? That's not always the easiest thing to yeah. do. And I think when you look at the Eagle situation, I just don't think it's what, you know, you can just merely bank on. And if you really think Drake London is great, then great. Draft him. But, like, don't take him because you feel like you need an X receiver. And, right. like, well, Chris Olavi <laughs> might actually be better, but we're just not going to take him because we already have Devontae Smith. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah. It's, it's not ideal, again, in a perfect world that they're they're on the slider side. But I don't think that matters if the guy is finding ways to get into the end zone and he's really good. I think that will translate to the NFL, and I think he'll have success. So I have him with my second pick, and then I'm going to take Jamison Williams okay. at the next pick. Who I don't. Also my, he was also my number two most likely receiver. So he did get my top two receivers there. I sniped you um, with those guys. I mean, receiver does seem likely to me, by the way. Like, there's been with, with, I feel like with Olavi coming in the other day, there was like a lot of discussion that got uh, brought about, especially with like Field Yates tweeting out that if the Eagles draft a wide receiver for the 
third straight year, they'll be the first team since the Lions did it early, you know, two thousands. <laughs> right. Which is just like I don't I don't and I don't know if Phil Youth is trying to say like it would be dumb. He was just throwing out the context. He didn't really add his own commentary. I think it was just but, I think he was just throwing out a fact is, is all he was sure. doing. And that's fine. But I think a lot of people take that, then go into that and be like, Oh, the Eagles can't be dumb like the Lions and take all these receivers. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, just because Jalen Rager is like a total bust and lost cause shouldn't be like, well, we, now we can't take a receiver. Like that doesn't add up to me. And Jamison Williams, again, I don't think he's going to be on the board here. I think he's going to go to Washington at number 11. Okay. I think that like actually makes a ton of sense for them considering they have nothing at receiver outside of Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And in theory, you want like another field stretcher to pair with Carson Wentz who can, you know, chuck it down the field quite a bit. Right. So um, I think he's really going to go there. Or I wouldn't be surprised if another team trades up for him before the Eagles get on the board at number 15, which is a shame and sad because I think Jamison Williams is a kind of no-brainer pick for the Eagles. I know the ACL tear is there, but I think there's a chance he'll be kind of fine earlier on the season. I don't think – this isn't – to me, this isn't Sidney Jones. Like, Sidney Jones tore his Achilles mm-hmm. in March at his pro day. Jamison Wilson tore his ACL – in January, like, there's a two month difference there, and I also think that an ACL, by all indications, uh, the one that he suffered too, that Williams suffered, is less serious than the Achilles injury that Sidney Jones suffered. So uh, I think Williams profiles really well. Uh, I know he only has the one season of elite production, but man, is it like elite production? <laughs> yes. Nineteen point nine yards per reception. Like this guy was unstoppable, making plays down the field. Um, again, high level. At playing at Alabama, you can't go wrong getting Alabama wide receivers on your team. Uh, Devontae Smith and Jamison Williams in the same receiving room. That gets me really excited. I would take him next. I think the criticism of him is, you know, he's maybe a, a one-trick pony. Uh, well, okay, but guess what? Even if you think that, and I disagree with that statement, but even if you think that, the one trick that he has is pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Deshaun Jackson made a career of, you know, sort of being a one trick pony. Um, so the, the trick that he that that he possesses is, you know, changing the game with like super long touchdown reception. So I think that's fine uh, if you're building an NFL roster. So um, yeah, as you mentioned, the ACL uh, is thought to be more of a quote unquote garden variety type. There's no uh, additional injuries uh, to go along with the ACL, like an MCL or or like an MCL or an LCL or patella or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, he, his recovery should be fine. I don't know if he's going to you know start the season on time or if he'll be one hundred percent at any point, like early in the season. But he'll play at some point this year, I would imagine. And uh, you know, if you're if you're drafting players, you're not like I think there's maybe sometimes too much focus on what they can do for you in year one. But this is a guy that if you take him, he's probably going to be a really good player over the long haul, which is more important in the draft, in my opinion. All right. So you're up next to me with your next two picks, but not before we take a break here okay. on BGN Radio. So before we go to commercial, why don't you listen to me tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can get by going to RighteousFelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I wouldn't advertise righteous felon craft jerky jimmy if i didn't believe in it it's a good product i've had it multiple many times i enjoy it um jimmy you've had it i believe you've enjoyed it is that correct i have had it and i have enjoyed it both correct correct on both accounts my friend we've heard listeners who have it like everyone who i've known who's had it has enjoyed it i've never heard a bad thing about righteous felon craft jerky so why not try it 
if you haven't. You hear me talk about it all the time. It must be good, right? Um, so you can use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order today. And again, maybe you're not the biggest meat. Maybe you don't eat meat. Maybe you're not the biggest beef jerky fan. That's okay. Check out their website. They have other non-meat snacks available to you that you can check out. So give that a try. Also, again, maybe... None of that interests you still? Well, do you have a dog? Because if you do, you can get some dog treats at wildnaturepet.com. They are healthy dog treats. They're or they're they're high quality dog treats that you can get uh, that are being made. Same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order at wildnaturepet.com. So if you want to help support the podcast, that's a good way to do it. If you can't afford it, uh, if it's not doable for you, that's cool. That's fine. You don't have to, but it's there if you want to, and we appreciate it if you do. So check those out if you can. Jimmy. Back after this. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, and you are up next with your next two picks and our most likely Eagles draft picks. All right. I'm going to go maybe a little surprise here. Uh-oh. Sauce Gardner. Wow. Cornerback, Cincinnati. Spicy. Again, That's a spicy front- sauce. That's like a <laughs> habanero. That's right. Uh, this is, again, on the premise that I think the Eagles uh, are primed to trade up in this draft from pick 15. Um, they need a corner. I mean, clearly. I mean, <sighs> I think that, like, Zach McPherson is a guy that um, I did a profile on him, and I thought he played you know decent enough in the limited snaps that he got last year. Of course, they added all these young corners uh, throughout you know the offseason and into the season last year. We won't go through, the, through that list again. We've done it a million times on, on the podcast already. But you look at the draft last year, and the Eagles tried to trade up for uh, either J.C. Horn uh, from South Carolina, who eventually went to the Panthers, yep. and uh, Patrick Sertan uh, from Alabama, who the Eagles tried to trade up for as well. Uh, he wound up with the Denver Broncos. I think if the Eagles had their pick of Horn, uh, Sertan, or Devontae Smith, they'd have preferred one of those corners over wow. Devontae Smith. Um, so I think they're... Very much in cutting in the conversation once again to trade up for a corner. Like, I think that it's more likely that if they trade up, they're going to get a defensive end, but I wouldn't rule out a cornerback uh, trade up either. Either And uh, Sauce Gardner is um, either 1A or 1B in this draft at the cornerback position, depending on whether you like him or Derek Stingley from LSU uh, more. But in, I, I think that uh, a guy like Sauce Gardner, if you get up to around pick eight, 
maybe, and he's still there. Uh, you could see the Eagles make a. I mean, that's going to cost a little more than than to get up to ten, for example. Obviously, I'm not analysis here. Uh, it's, it's it could be a you know a, a steeper cost to get up that high and get that guy. But a, a safety or a cornerback uh, trio of uh, Darius Slay, Sauce Gardner, and Avante Maddox, pretty good. It'd be the best <laughs> trio of cornerbacks I think that they've had in a long time. And I think that you, you're not just drafting him to be the you know number two cornerback. You're also drafting him to eventually take over for, for Darius Slay as well. Um, so if, if uh, you know the Eagles are targeting a cornerback in the same way that they did last year in the first round. Uh, then I think that that's a very strong possibility that they could move up to get him. So we should mention here that Steve Nelson left the Eagles, officially signed with the Houston yep. Texans on a two-year, $10 million reported deal this week. And not really a surprise to me that he's not back in Philly, considering um, I didn't think he was that great that you had to re-sign him. And he's 29. It's not like this core player for you. Kind of crazy that he got double his because the Eagles paid him one year, two point five million last year, and the Texans are yeah. paying him five million per year, so definitely would have not doubled his salary. Like he wasn't, he was it definitely wasn't that good. Um, so that's fine. It does leave a huge hole. I think people are very concerned about that and concerned about the youth that the Eagles have at corner. And I get that. To me, I I wonder if corner is as big of a need from a positional importance standpoint in this system, Jimmy, and maybe Mm -hmm. you can weigh in if you think much differently here. I agree with your point about it's important to think about, you know, Darius Slay's long-term and getting that number one corner and not just filling the hole now. I agree with that part, but I'm less concerned about filling the hole now because like is corner really, is a cover two corner really like the most important position that you could possibly get. And even though you said the Eagles were considering taking those guys last year, they don't really have a history of taking corners in the first round. Like, you know, right. It's just not something they commonly do. It seems like a position they don't value in that kind of way, or maybe they, maybe it's all coincidence. Maybe it's part of they don't feel like they're confident in their projections always with those guys. Um, so there's, there's a multitude of factors to consider there. But I, I just kind of wonder if they can get away with more uh, or with less, if, I wonder if Jonathan Gannon can do more with less at corner. I think he has a track record of doing that, as I've mentioned many a time, like with Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think Darius Slay last year having a career year. Like mm-hmm. I think time and time again, Avante Maddox, like he's been, they've been able, for all Jonathan Gannon's faults, you want to criticize him for. And I think part of it is because the soft ass defense that they play kind of makes it easier sometimes on these corners. I just don't know that they need to invest a premium resource there. It doesn't mean they can't or won't or whatever, but I, I just kind of, I kind of tend to think, I guess, corner isn't as appetizing for me. And also, I, I like Sars Gardner a lot. So, yes, if you can get him and he's falling, I like that from a personal preference. But some of these other corners, like like Trent McDuffie, and we'll talk about Andrew Booth Jr. too, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll have a conversation, I'm sorry, about Stingley. Uh, I just don't know that they move the needle for me, like from a personal – like Jordan Davis moves the needle. Uh, Jamison Williams moves the needle. I think Chris Olave, to a certain extent, those are like needle movers. I just don't know what like – like, what is an upgrade from Steve Nelson last year, at, and how big of it is one? Uh, if it's Sauce Gardner, I think it's pretty big. But if it's one of these other guys, like, how big is that upgrade, and what does it really, like, change? I don't – that's the, kind of what I'm wondering about. So one thing I should mention – I should I'd probably actually talk about the player, too. It's, uh, Gardner's 6'3", uh, 190 pounds, so he can match up against, you know, sort of the taller receivers uh, in the NFL. Um, you know, 33-and-a-half-inch arms. Uh, he ran a four four one at the combine, so he's got a, a, a great blend 
of uh, size and athleticism. He also was a ball hawk at Cincinnati, had good ball skills, uh, pass breakups, interceptions and such. Um, so he's got everything that you want from a cornerback in this draft. Um, I, I On the point that you know the cornerbacks aren't asked to do uh, as much in this scheme as uh, maybe they were when Jim Schwartz was here, for example. Um, the one thing that I'll point out that, you know, how he talked about, I believe it was at the combine was that, you know, they kind of feel like they're on borrowed time with Jonathan Gannon. They think he's eventually going to land a head coaching job somewhere else. Uh, whether we feel like that's deserved or not, uh, he did get, you know, significant interest this off season in, as a head coach. Um, so yeah, I, and, and I also don't know that I, I love the idea of building your roster around a specific coach. Um, if you can just get the best player available, um, then you should do that and not necessarily worry about uh, whether that position is prioritized under you know a, a particular coach or not. Because um, again, when you're drafting guys, you're hoping that they're here for ten years as opposed to just you know the next uh, three or four or whatever. So yeah, um, as far as trading up for for a talent like this, if he's there, like I said, around like eight, nine, ten. Uh, which he may not be. He may go earlier than that. He can go as early as like four, uh, for example, to the Jets. But if he does slide to like eight, nine, ten in the same area that Horn and Sertan wound up last year, I do think there is the potential for them to trade up and try to get him. Yeah, and obviously, like if there's a quarterback who is head and shoulders like the best player, I'm all for taking him. I'm not arguing against that. I just think if it's, when it comes close, I just don't. To me, I guess I'm trying to say, like, just because corner is this need right now, I don't think it means they have to have to get a corner in the first round by any means. Like, they don't, I don't think they have to force a pick there. I think there is some legitimacy to them kind of wanting to see what they have with their youth at that position. Um, so that's your first pick. Who is your second pick? So let's keep it with corner. Okay. <laughs> I'll go Derek Stingley, uh, another oh. potential uh, trade-up guy. Um, th- there have been some mock drafts recently that have him falling uh, to the Eagles at 15. And I think um, the knock on him – well, there's a few knocks on him. One, he hasn't been able to stay healthy in recent years. And uh, two, he's viewed as sort of a finesse player. Um, I would sort of say that like he reminds me – like on the finesse front of Darius Slay, <laughs> like he's a guy that you know isn't gonna um, you know make guys you know the night before a game uh, lose sleep because they're worried about him hitting them, uh, or you know sort of uh, he's not a guy that's gonna um, you know make it really really difficult uh, for guys to get off the line of scrimmage. He's not like a physical uh, player at the line of scrimmage. He does a decent enough job slowing guys up to start their route, but he's just such a great cover corner. Like the his 2019 season at LSU, he just made play after play after play on their way to the national championship game, um, and he was like probably the best cornerback in in college football that year as a like true freshman for for LSU, and he's sort of ridden that season into a potential top ten pick in this draft. Uh, I would say certainly a top fifteen uh, at, at at the latest, uh, but he's a guy that has been you know sort of since his freshman season has been, you know, just sort of etched in stone as a, as a, like, no doubt about it, first round pick and uh, just a super talented player, you know, doesn't have the size that Sauce Gardner has. He's, he's six foot one ninety. Uh arm length is, uh, you know, right around 30, 31 inches, whereas Gardner's 33. Uh, but he's a guy that just can cover the hell out of receivers and uh, you, you, again, you pair him with a guy like Slay, and uh, difficult to complete passes on two, on those two guys. 
Six interceptions, 15 passes defensed in his 2019 season. As Crazy. A freshman. <laughs> Great ball production. Next two years, he played in 10 games, did not have a pick. He had five yeah. passes defensed. Well, a lot of that, too, is like they just stopped throwing at him, too. Sure. But also, like, he was only available for 10 games due to right. injuries, mm-hmm. um, sure. which are, you know, a red flag. And I don't feel good. So I feel like you'd have to trade up for him. I feel like he's not falling to 15. And if he does, I kind of... I'm like, like we've talked about before, sometimes these players fall and it's not just because every other team is stupid and because like you're <laughs> right. a genius and oh, we're going to take you. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. be the team that stops the slide and we're so smart. I mean, that does happen sometimes as well, but that's not always the case. And I would not make a big move up for him. Like, I think there's just too many red flags between the injury issues, between the fact that it's been multiple years since he had like a really productive standout season. Right. Uh, also, reading his scouting report on NFL.com from Lance Sirline. There were some kind of questions raised about effort at times and loafing, and I don't like mm-hmm. that. So you put all that together, and I just I don't got He got that. disinterested, and you kind of yeah. get it. Like when he has that freshman season where they you know, they just rolled to the national championship game, and then LSU wasn't anywhere near as good, like not even close, in 2020 and 2021. So he kind of lost interest, and probably why he missed so many games too. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. maybe super interested in getting back out on the field uh, so urgently. There's you know some some speculation on that. Anyway, I shouldn't I shouldn't present that as fact, but there's people speculating that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, I agree. They they certainly are concerns. But at the same time, I kind of get it. I don't love like a big trade up for him. I just think it's too many resources with a player for. Okay. Red flags. If he falls to you, considering it more, uh, it seems like the the Vikings have been like a sweet spot for him. Mock drafts, I believe, at number where 12 are they? There, twelve, 12 or thirteen. Okay. Yeah, I think twelve. Um, so that's like it's a pretty obvious hole on their roster, and it seems like to match up with the value and everything. So yeah, we'll see if uh, maybe they get him. Um, all right, I'm ready to make my next two picks, Jimmy. And okay. this is these. I'm, so I'm getting four out of the top five players on my board, which that <laughs> okay. doesn't mean anything. I got my top four, so our okay. boards were very different. It's just funny. <laughs> There we go. Um, I'm going to take uh, – wait, did I get – yeah, I did. Uh, I'm going to take George Karlaftis next. Okay, he was my fifth guy on my board. Finally, you took a guy that was up for me. <laughs> I think this is a right mix of probably should be available and could be realistic there. Like Jermaine Johnson, I think, is the I, – like, so I have Jermaine Johnson, a little spoiler here, at number six, just okay. below him, just because I think he might be off the board, where I think there's a better chance mm-hmm. Karlaftis would be on the board. I think Karlaftis doesn't have that elite production in college that I would love to see, but that's part of the reason he's going to be available here. And I think he's kind of just like Brandon Graham. Like he profiles as that kind of like more powerful rusher and hustle than a guy and a guy who's going to generate a lot of pressure, those hurries that you love so much, Jimmy, um, (laughs) as opposed to a guy who's going to be, you know, posting double digit sack seasons on the regular. I think he's just going to be a really solid prospect better than Derek Barnett. I think people, some people are going to hear that and think of, Oh no, it's Derek Barnett redux. No, I think he's going to be better than that. Uh, We know the Eagles have interest in this kind of player. I would say just based on, uh, how he's been compared to Ryan Kerrigan, not to say it's a one for one. And maybe some of that is a little too like guilty of, Oh, he's like a, a guy who is, um, has a Caucasian complexion and, uh, went to Purdue. Uh, and I've seen, I, I think Daniel Jeremiah has frequently compared Carl Aftis to, uh, Kerrigan who amazingly just did nothing all season last year and then somehow turned it on in the playoff game. I know it was like mm-hmm. what against the gimpy, uh, Tristan Wirfs, but still like just really incredible. Um, Anyway, uh, I have Karlaftis here. 
I think he's a he's the right mix of positional value and value on the board. I think it kind of just comes together, and I and I think it's a situation too where like there's no one really super exciting left on the board. Like there isn't a Jordan Davis at this point. There isn't a Jamison Williams. There's no one that makes you go. There isn't a Stingley. Let's even say there's no one like super intriguing that like you have to have. And mm-hmm. it's like well why don't and maybe it's like hey the trade down offers aren't good. Let's just sit here and let's take George Karlaftis because that's like a pretty reasonable pick. Yeah, I think he's a, a good candidate for pick 18 uh, as opposed to 15. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's 6'4", 266. He actually tested a lot better than uh, people were anticipating uh, at the comedy number on the 40, but uh, his his vertical jump was 91 percentile. His broad jump was 80 percentile, so he's got that lower body explosion. Uh, his 20-yard shuttle was 66 percentile, which you know sort of measures um, you know quickness, agility, and such. So, I mean, he did test better than, than people thought. I think people were anticipating like him not testing all that well and being able to sort of slam him. He's been a very polarizing player uh, in this draft, and probably because he only had four and a half sacks in 2021. Uh, he was more productive his first two years at, at Purdue. Uh, maybe got a little more attention this year than uh, he did his first two years. But yeah, I think uh, Brandon Graham is is a good comp. Uh, to him, and yeah, uh, he does seem like a the 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 profile of a player that the Eagles would like. Who's your Who's your next guy? Uh, by the way, just real quick, because I, I brought to forgot to bring this up when we were talking about corners. The Eagles reportedly made quote a hard play for Stephon Gilmore before he signed with the Colts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you uh, make anything out of that, Jimmy. But figured- well, maybe it's uh maybe it's it kind of goes against the point that that I've been making all off season that they want to get a look at these you know younger guys before they mm-hmm. commit. Uh, to to a guy that's definitely going to step in and be your CB two, which Gilmore would. Yeah, we'll, so we'll see on that one. Um, hmm. I am looking at my board, but there's a name I didn't consider here that I think I want to throw into the mix, and it's a risky one, but it could be worth it. And I, because of how the the draft has shaken out thus far, I feel like I can I, I'm going to take a chance anyway. Because why not? Who cares? This doesn't mean anything. I'm going to take Kayvon <laughs> Thibodeau. Uh, okay. Obviously, would be probably more of a trade-up target, and this could be really bad because he might not be even close to being in play for the Eagles. But uh, he did agree to come to Philly for a pre-draft visit, and I feel like the top prospects don't always do that. If they definitely feel like 100% they're going, like Aiden Hutchinson isn't visiting the Eagles, for example. Of course, yeah. And Trayvon Walker isn't like visiting the Eagles, for example. So um, I think there's a chance that Thibodeau could fall. I, again, for the same reasons as Stingley, kind of get a little nervous about that in terms of like this just being, oh, a massive steal and how he outsmarted the entire NFL. Um, yeah. I kind of just wonder about that. There have been obviously a number of concerns about him that I think we we touched on heavily more we so did, in last yeah. week's episode. So I don't need to go into all those separately again. Um, but it's a position of need. It is a, a swing. I think it could be a potential needle mover pick for the Eagles. Just like, oh Stanley yeah, I definitely is. I mean, I, yeah, this, this is a guy that like would, people had him as like the number one prospect in the country, right. uh, Heading into the twenty twenty one season. So that'll kind of I'll do it like that. I'll take Kerlaftis as like kind of safe, and I'll take uh, Kayvon Thibodeau as the wild bigger swing. Okay, and that puts me halfway through, I believe. How many? Yeah, so you've made. Or wait, picks? no, we're, we're not you doing got, ten. You, we're doing eight. Yeah, you got, so I have you five. got Wyatt, I have Wyatt, Olave, Olave, Williams, Williams, Carlaftis, Thibodeau. Carlaftis so I have three right. more, and you have I have Jermaine Johnson, Jordan Davis, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, and my next pick is going to be Traylon Burks, wide mm. receiver, Arkansas. I love this guy. I know that a lot of people don't. But he's one of my favorite players in this draft. He's just 
you know, in that same mold. Uh, I mentioned Debo Samuel and uh, AJ Brown earlier in the podcast, and that, saying that Chris Olave is not that is not that guy. Uh, Trail Burks is like that guy is once he gets the ball in his hands, he's looking to run through tacklers. Uh, just a yak monster at Arkansas. He played in the best conference in the country in the SEC, and he dominated there uh, despite playing on in an offense where there's no mystery about where the ball was going in that offense. Like they, he was their primary playmaker there, and uh, opposing defenses would set out to shut him down, and he was still productive anyway. He's a guy that I fits that I think fits perfectly uh, in this Eagles offense in the slot in between. Uh, Quest Watkins uh, on the outside and Devontae Smith on the outside gives you, you know, a, a bigger presence on the inside along with uh, uh, Dallas Goddard. He's a guy that he does give you sort of something that you don't have uh, in the Eagles offense. He had, uh, you know, just a ton of, of broken tackles uh, throughout the season with Arkansas. It's just he's 225-ish, uh, 6'2". And he's not just like a, a guy that you get the ball too quickly and he's, and he's going to make plays. Like he made plays down the field too. And he's got, um, you know, he's got good hands, uh, maybe a concentration drop here and there, but he can make plays on balls in the air. He's good at 50-50 guy, uh, but he also gets open, maybe not the most pol- polished route runner uh, uh, compared to some of the other guys in this draft. And, maybe, you know, maybe that'll come in time, but just a guy that can make plays and can make guys miss tackles, which the Eagles do not have at the wide receiver position right now. Seems to be one of these guys that where the tape and the testing don't necessarily match up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been compared to AJ Brown, quote with more wiggle in his uh, scouting report from NFL.com by Lance Zerline. Okay, um, I'm looking at his testing numbers here. A four five five, I think he ran in the in the forty. Yeah, so he's he's a 37 percentile 40 yard dash, which isn't you know ideal. Um, he's a 65 percent 10 yard split. He's he's down at nine percent or in in the three cone. So like the testing, you know, obviously wasn't great as you wanted it to be. Um, but obviously that's why he might potentially be available to the Eagles at number 15 or maybe perhaps even quite possibly yeah maybe 18. maybe 18 sure. So um, yeah, I think it's reasonable. I I was actually going to go with him uh over Thibodeau. I was, okay. I was between those two. Um, I just don't really feel strongly enough, I guess, about Traylon Barks. Burks, I call him Barks. Uh, that's not a, that's not a dog uh, shoe in there. Um, so, okay, that's fine. What's your next pick? So my next pick is another receiver, and this is like the doomsday scenario for for me. Which is Drake London, uh, wide receiver Ooh. from USC? I am not a Drake London fan. Uh, I think he's fine. Like I'm, I don't want to say I'm not a Drake London fan. I am not a Drake London fan in you know the top half of the first round. He is another very polarizing player. The comps that I've seen to him are Mike Evans, which I think is crazy. First of all, Drake London, like he was listed at at six five, like two twenty five uh, all year with uh, with USC. Turns out he's only like six three and and, uh, and like seven eighth inches. I think. So he's not even six four. Like he's he's a quarter of an inch taller than me. So like he's not even this monstrous, like, you know, just towering receiver uh that he's made out to me. And certainly he's like way above average uh height for a wide receiver. I think he's like eighty seventh or eighty eighth percentile or something like that. Yeah. But he's not Harold Carmichael or anything like that. Like he's he's got good size for sure. Um, and he, he does make his share of contested catches because he kind of has to, he just isn't a guy that's, you know, that's probably, uh, likely to, to, to create a lot of separation, uh, in the NFL. You look at his highlight reel, it looks a lot like JJ Ortega Whiteside's highlight reel Uh uh, coming out of uh, Stanford. So 
you know, the, there was a, a tweet that somebody put out. Um, I guess it was the percentage of catches made in which uh, they were contested catches uh, in college. And two of the top five over the last X number of years were J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside uh, and Jalen Rager. <laughs> and Drake London made that list as well. So he's the guy that, you know, I think that the Eagles should, I don't want to say avoid like the plague, but he's not a guy that, he's he's the guy that that we talked about earlier, where you're just adding a certain type of uh, profile of player, but not necessarily the best receiver available. And um, I wouldn't completely rule out that uh, that they'll take a guy like that because they've, shown that they sort of value that type of player that makes contested catches. Uh, but I just don't think that that's a trait that, uh, you know, trans translate, like, sort of translate from the, the college game uh, to the pro game, to the program as much as, you know, guys that get separation. One thing that stood out to me watching him is like, I feel like he's going to get hurt a lot in the NFL. Okay. I, like, cause he just seemed to like take on a lot of contact. Like, he you know, never these... gives up on the play. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a positive, but you're right. Guys that do that, they take out, they take, take a lot of extra punishment. And yeah, again, it's a fine line there because obviously you want guys who are going to get yards after the catch, yep. but uh, you know, I certainly admire that more than guys that run out of bounds. Like, <laughs> John Rager. <laughs> John Rager is getting thrown under the bus, but that was, you know, uh, not totally, uh, not his fault. Um, I think in, by com- like, let me contrast it with Devonte Smith, who I think is smart. And I, that was part of why I was confident about him uh, and not worried about his size heading into the NFL. It seems like he knows how to avoid contact like, yeah. in a smart way, not in a way where like, he's, you know, like giving up and, and like being soft, but like just in a smart way, like he knows not how to take yes. big hits. I think there's a, there's like a skill to that and watching Drake London, like, I've seen him take some major shots and maybe part of that is just playing, you know, think like a college quarterback and, and kind of having to deal with some hospital balls and whatnot. But I don't know. I just, there's this, something about and maybe part of it is the jj thing and maybe to some extent that's unfair i think you could argue that you know drake london is a better prospect than jj was but um i just i don't know this isn't the route that i think makes sense to me but whatever you know we're not doing preference here we're doing likelihood and i think to your point um i think there's a decent chance he will be available to the eagles and if he is, yeah, they've shown an inclination for these kind of guys. And if you get the right guy, like it should, it should be said that just because someone is good at jump balls doesn't mean they're a bad receiver, right? Like that doesn't right, make right, them right. Like, like if you can get a guy who's actually good, who can do that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, I think it's probably one of the most fun things from an aesthetic standpoint in football. At least like, that's really what got me like super into the Eagles as a kid was seeing T.O. just be able to go up and get yeah. it in addition to everything. I think that's awesome. But you know, uh, I, I don't the know. You got I, Moss clips on ESPN are always fun. Sure. Devontae Smith, one of his, I think, or you could say his best highlight from last year was when he mossed mm-hmm. uh, Patrick yep. Sertan, Sertan like that. Yep. It's awesome. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't love that. So uh, that's not where my mind is thinking. Um, so and you have one more did, pick. He did get, he did get hurt, by the way, too. Like, yes. He, he, like, he actually, uh, he just had his own personal pro day. At, like, what's today? The 16th? Yesterday, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't run the 40 because uh, I guess he, it was an ankle injury and it's healed. I guess he did, he felt like he didn't have enough time to prepare for the 40 or the other athletic measurable uh, test either. He ran like positional drills, but did not run any like the 40 or uh, vertical jump or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, he, he like the injury history actually is there with him as well. 
also like whenever I go to use photos for a picture of him uh, on Bleeding Green Nation, there's just so many where he looks like pained and he looks like he is hurt. And I don't know if that's like unfair photography uh, or just like representative of maybe if he hasn't always missed games, he's been getting like banged up at games. He's taking a lot of contact as like a, you know this big target. So, uh, all right. So you have one pick left, right? After I make two, or? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, well, how many how many picks do you have left? I've five are we picks doing, total. Are we, are we doing six each, or was it eight? We're going each? to eight. So, oh, okay. Well, then you have three picks left, right? Yeah, I have three. So I'm going to okay. take my next two. I have six, I've made six picks. So yeah, you make two, I make two, and then you make one. Okay, so I want to go with Andrew Booth Jr. here because I, I need a okay. quarterback cornerback in the mix. It's only right that I would get one again. Seems like fine, solid enough. Uh, this just doesn't move the needle for me. It seems fine. Like again, the profile to me isn't overly exciting. Um, could be a good starting cornerback. Is he going to be a star? Like, I don't know that I see anything about him that screams to me that kind of upside. It wasn't any kind of like amazing ball production for him at college level. The Eagles obviously have a level of interest in him. They're bringing him in for a pre-draft visit, so they're doing homework on an Andrew Booth and. The Eagles haven't been doing any pre-draft interest in this position, Jimmy, which I think has some people riled up. But as we've said, if there is a year where they might actually take a linebacker in the first round, maybe, finally, maybe it is this year. And I'll take Devin Lloyd at this point okay. in the draft. I uh, think he's the worth, best linebacker. Yeah. yeah, I think it's worth the risk. Um, obviously, made a lot of plays. He wore number zero at Utah, which I think is actually a good <laughs> choice by him. Like that jersey number analytics perspective. Also, should be available in the NFL. I don't think we talk enough, by the way, about how Jim Otto had like the best jersey name combination maybe ever. Uh, in that <laughs> his name ends with a and uh, begins and ends with an O, and yeah. he wore O O on his jersey. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. It's like amazing branding. Um, so yeah, I'll take Devin Lloyd here because again, uh, I think it's possible that the Eagles might value their linebackers a little bit more highly now. And I know you said, you know, and so you talked earlier too, and I didn't respond to this about the idea of Jonathan Gannon potentially being gone uh-huh. soon. I still think the sense though is that the Eagles want to run a scheme similar to what he yeah. might be running, even if he is not here anymore. And maybe that would change if a different defensive coordinator becomes available, who knows, but I think they would kind of be likely to maybe promote uh, their sec- their uh, defensive backs coach. Um, why can't I, why am I blanking on his name? Yeah, I'm blanking on him too. Um, oh, uh, uh, Denard. Yeah, Denard Wilson. Denard I was Wilson, thinking yeah. DK McDonald, but that's the assistant. Um, yeah, Denard Wilson. Um, and so I think, you know, I still think linebacker is going to be an important position here. And obviously moving forward, uh, like, you know, TJ Edwards is not signed on a long-term contract. You just added Kaiser White, but he's on a one-year deal. Might not be a long-term piece. So it's obviously a position of need, one they haven't valued, but maybe uh, Devin Lloyd ends up being the best player available there at number 15. So at this at this stage in the draft, I will take a flyer on him. I think it's worth it. Okay. Uh, hmm. So do you have two more than I have one? Oh, one, uh, one, one, one point I'll make on uh, uh, Andrew Booth is uh, he did have core muscle surgery. Mm-hmm. So uh, he probably, the Eagles probably won't take him at 15 or 18. But if they traded back, I could see him as a possibility later in the first round. Sure. And there are like a cluster of guys like that, like uh, Booth, like uh, Arnold Ebikidi, uh Boye Mafe. Um, Daxton Hill, maybe from Michigan, like those Jaquan kind of players make sense back. Yeah, like back half, like back end of the first round, and they're like, I would say the Chiefs 
are uh, a prime candidate to move up after they traded uh, Terry Kill. They have the 29th and 30th picks. So if they wanted to get up into the mix for a receiver in the uh, teens, the Eagles would make uh, sense as a, as a great trade partner for them. The Lions make sense. I think they have, what, 32 and 34. So if they were looking for, like if they took, uh, I don't know, Aiden Hutchinson or, or whoever at two, and then they had interest in Malik Willis, for example, or Kenny Pickett, uh, they could maybe move up from 32 and 34 to where the Eagles are picking in the teens. The Eagles move all the way back to the end of the first round and guys like that, you know, make, make some sense. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, Andrew Booth would be, I love Andrew Booth, by the way. So like, he's, he's got like a really confident kind of cocky kind of player. Um, really good cover guy. You know, he'll come up and hit. I think he's actually a great fit, uh, for Gannon's scheme, the way they run it now. Uh, to be determined if that'll change, but I think like he's he's a very underrated good player. All right, so my picks. Uh, Wait, what the hell? Do you think he has any relation to James Wilkes Booth? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I doubt uh, it. Why don't we take another break here, Jimmy? Before okay, we actually get that, to your yeah. final picks, because then we'll do that in our another little game to wrap up the show. So let's hear about you from Chris. Uh, let's hear from you about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors dot com. Kristen Roach, who left earlier and set off the uh, my what's it called again? Ring. I the name ring. Yeah, my ring notification that somebody was near the door. Anyway, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five is her phone number. Please give her a call if you're looking to buy or sell your home. She was rated by God wow. as the best realtor in the history of the universe. Again, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. Nine two. Back here on BGN Radio for our final segment. Jimmy, we're going to wrap up the draft, and then we're getting going to get into another little activity. So who are your, I guess, your final two picks here to wrap it out? Yes. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Because I only yeah, have the one pick left. And you have one pick left after me. What the hell? Let's do Malik Willis. Wow. Liberty. Whoa. If he's there. You hate Jalen Hurts, you jerk. (laughs) If he's there at a 15, I kind of feel like he's hard to pass up because the the ceiling is just so high. He's got a, he's got like a great arm. He can, like, he he reminds me of a runner the way that, like, he reminds me of Jalen Hurts as a runner and that he's, you know, he's not as fast as a guy like Lamar Jackson, um, but he can run through tackles like Jalen Hurts can. Uh, he's a bigger quarterback at like in terms of like weight at like two twenty five ish. I think he's like six one, but he's got a great arm. He's got some of the same concerns as Jalen Hurts in terms of um, you know reading defenses and uh, accuracy is probably the biggest one. Uh, but he's got he's got a more pro you know level arm than Jalen Hurts. Uh, I know there's some debate over you know what Jalen Hurts's arm. Uh, actually is personally I feel like it's uh you know slightly below average uh NFL in terms of NFL starters 
but Blake Jackson is it's just a purely um, you know gifted uh, talent at, at the quarterback position. And he's got a ways to go. So if you draft him, you're probably not going to play him in his first year, which is fine. I think you can just keep Jalen Hurts as your starter in 2022, and then you sort of let those two you, know, you sort of let it play out from there. But if he's still sitting there, pick 15, I can absolutely see the Eagles taking a swing on him. And then, well, do you have anything? We've talked about Malik Willis at at length. I don't think we need to dive too much longer into that. And then with my next pick, uh, another scenario, like like in the last round, I picked Drake London. Uh, This is another scenario where I don't think it's a great idea necessarily for the Eagles. But I'm going to get another cornerback in Trent McDuffie Hmm. from Washington. He's short. He does not have good interception production. I think he's got like one or two, I think two, over the course of his entire career at Washington. And he's a really good player, but he's short and he doesn't have a lot of interceptions. Like, it's just, it's just no, it just feels like that would be a very disappointing pick at either 15 or 18. Again, I think he's good. He's a good player. And there's a, there's possibly even goes before the Eagles pick at 15, which I just think is crazy for the, 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 you know, size and um, production profile uh, that he has. But enough people have sort of connected him with the Eagles that it's maybe a little bit eyebrow raising. I think that's probably just people looking at the Eagles depth chart and seeing, okay, big hole at cornerback two. Uh, Got to plug him in somewhere. Let's give him to the Eagles. I think that's probably, there's a lot of that going on maybe. Uh, but if he's still there, pick 18 and the Eagles don't move back. Um, yeah, I can see them taking Trent McDuffie there. But uh, again, the, just the size and the production kind of turned me off to him. I, at least as you know where the Eagles are picking at 15 and 18. Yeah, again, it just doesn't really move the needle for me. Seems like it could be fine, but doesn't really do anything for the long term. Yeah. Uh I have with my final pick the Eagles taking a position they have literally never taken in the first round. So, uh bidding that's at the end of the draft, but I'll take a flyer, why not? And I'm between two players here because they just recently brought in Jaquan Brisker for a visit. Okay. I actually believe the fourth Penn State player they're bringing in. So they're just another one they brought in, I believe, on f- Friday night. Um, yeah, so, Abikidi so. was another one that they brought in. Abikidi, um, uh, oh, Jesse uh, yeah, the, the kid, Jesse Lakita from yeah, he, he had a good senior bowl. And then I think they brought in a line. Did they? Did, was it a linebacker? They brought in someone else. I believe I have it here. Brandon Smith. Penn State oh, linebacker. when did they do Brandon that? Smith. Was that just the last day or two? Yeah, I don't know if that's local or not. I didn't see where he is from. Okay. Uh, off the top of my head, but not the point. Uh, so I think Brisker is an interesting kind of guy, like you mentioned, as a potential trade back target. Um, but I'm going to take Kyle Hamilton because there seems to be some buzz that he might actually fall further than expected. Yeah. And I think the Eagles might actually take a chance on him if that's the case, if he falls to number 15, considering, especially because they don't, for as much as we talk about consternation at cornerback. And not having a second starter there, like at least they have Darius Slay and <laughs> yeah. Avante Maddox and like a bevy of guys who like you throw them at the wall, maybe something sticks. What do they have at safety? <laughs> like, what do they have at safety right now? It is Anthony Harris back on a two point five million dollar deal, which is like what, like I think ha- half of what he made last year, um, and clearly not a long term piece for you. Like fine at best. And then I've always liked Marcus Epps. I think maybe more than some others, but. 
in a perfect world, he's probably like your third best safety um, or a rotational guy, not someone who is your second best safety on the team and would be the best safety on the team if there's an injury to Anthony yeah. Harris. So they have nothing there. Like Kayvon Wallace is not anything you can like be really like excited about or counting on. You could you can hope maybe he, you know, overcomes being invisible or being a disappointment this far, but like that's not really anything to bank on. And then what is it outside of that? Like nothing. It's, it's nothing. So just from a standpoint of, hey, this is a an intriguing talent here um, that might be falling. Uh, I'm just going to take a flyer on Kyle Hamilton. Um, I think Tony, or, or not, I don't know, call him good friend because he's never been on the podcast. Uh, uh, but Tony Pauline uh, had said that he was the one, I think, who said recently that he, he thinks he's falling further than expected due to some poor testing numbers and I think position value and all of that. So uh, I'll take a flyer on Kyle Hamilton. Why not? We have a visitor, by the way. I don't know if you can hear her purring into the microphone. I can't. But it's Lily Cat here. Wow. Let me grab her. This is Kristen Roach of Roach Reels. So normally I can cat. see Jimmy, but uh, I had to turn oh, yeah. off the camera <laughs> okay. because uh, the uh, the internet here was not great. So I had to turn off the, the video part to make sure the, the streaming would commence or continue. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Kyle Hamilton, I think it's crazy, by the way, that, um, like, you look at, like, Derwin James in the 2018 draft, he falls to 17, he had mm -hmm. no business falling to 17, and, you know, now he's an all-pro player, he made an all-pro, I think it's a rookie, and then uh, he made the all-pro team this past year, so if Kyle Hamilton falls to you at 15, yes, thank you, Lord, I'll take him. <sighs> Like, are you kidding me? The guy's awesome. And he can do anything like he can cover. Like, as as you mentioned, uh, he's getting knocked because his uh, athletic testing wasn't great. He ran, what was it? A, a, uh, mock draftable says a 4.5940, which really isn't like that's not terrible. Like 40 percentile. I guess the concern was that at his pro day, uh, people had him clocked at like a 4.7, mm. <laughs> which, you know, that's not great. Uh, but. You know, he's 6'4", he's 220, he's got 33-inch arms. He, like, the other uh, athletic measurables were good. 81st percentile vertical jump, uh, you know, 93 percentile broad jump. I mentioned that Florida State game earlier where, like, Jermaine Johnson, you know, like kind of had a breakout game. Kyle Hamilton had a play in that game where he went from the opposite hash or he went from the hash to the opposite sideline and just made a ridiculous interception uh, you know, traveling a far distance to get to that pass and like had made a play that nobody has any business uh, making. So like, he's a guy that he can play on the back end. You can put him in the box. You can have him cover state or tight ends. You can have him cover running backs. He can, I think he's a guy that can kind of do everything. And you look at the interest in the E that the Eagles had in a guy like uh, Jeremy Chin, who mm -hmm. the, they were speculated, to, not speculated, but it was reported that, um, you know, they were going to take him potentially instead of uh, Jalen Hurts, but they decided on Jalen Hurts. Now, of course, that's, you know, in the middle of the second round. So would the Eagles take a guy in the middle of the first round? I think the difference between Kyle Hamilton and Jeremy Chin is like, like, I don't want to say it's night and day, but Kyle Hamilton is way, way, way better prospect than Jeremy Chin was when he came out. So if, the, if like that guy's available and you think you can get like an all pro player, just fall into your lap and pick 15. Go ahead and take him. It'd be crazy not to take him, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to fall that far. I don't think he's going to get past uh, Washington, for example. Where are they? Eleven, yeah. twelve? Uh, I think you know they they would gladly take him uh, if he fell that far. But if he's there, just go ahead and take that guy. 
because he's awesome and you can do so many different things with him. And he's just a super talented player. Like there are some people that have him as, you know, like one of the top, you know, two or three players in this draft, but just don't think he's going to get taken that highly because of the position he plays. But, you know, just, I mean, again, that's one of those don't overthink it. He's so good. He makes your defense better immediately. And you have a huge need there. So why not go ahead and grab him? So I will recap my draft, Jimmy. I'll let you do that for speak for yourself. My okay. ent- entire haul here, the eight picks I have, the Eagles' most likely draft picks, Devontae Wyatt, number one, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, George Karlaftis, Andrew Booth Jr., Devin Lloyd, and Kyle Hamilton. And our, I forgot Kayvon Thibodeau. Add him in there, too. And I have Jermaine Johnson, Jordan Davis, South Gardner, Derek Stingley, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Trent McDuffie, and Malik Willis. Okay. There we go. Those are most likely picks. Naturally, it'll be someone who we didn't mention uh, out of all those players because that would be fitting. Uh, Probably not, but just being cynical. Again, uh, Jimmy, why don't we talk about um, what the Eagles should do? So actually, I only have three picks. I have three. I've really, I was going to say top five, but there's really only three picks that I really like stand out to me okay. of what the what the Eagles should do at number 15. And I'm not really including trade down, trade up in here. I'm assuming they're going to stay. Um, I would also loop this into small trade up. Like if they move up, you know, two or three picks, something very small, kind of yep. the same thing for me or same thing. If they move back, I don't know why they would do that. If they move back a tiny bit, um, I have Jameson Williams, number one. I okay. think you have to get him. I think he is just a game changer for this team. I think really exciting prospect. Also young, I believe he's only 21 or 22. Uh, Jordan Davis, again, talked about mm-hmm. him at length earlier. And then Chris Olave at number three. So that's like my top three in terms of preference and what I think would be. I think getting Jamison Williams and Jordan Davis at 15 and 18 in some order, that would be like, that's a very yes. strong draft to me. Yes, for sure. So uh, I share two of the three picks with you. Um, I also think Jamison Williams is a guy that, like, again, the, the ACL just doesn't concern me all that much because I think it, eventually he's going to be back to 100%. And that's what the Eagles should be looking for is players who eventually are going to be great players. Like you don't need them to, you know, especially if it's injury related, you don't need him to play immediately. Uh, They've had success with Landon Dickerson, of course, um, on the injury front. And of course it's bitten them with with like Sidney Jones, for example. Uh, But yeah, I I think he's a guy that you can probably count on uh, not having that injury affect his NFL career. Uh, all that much. And then Jordan Davis, I mean, I already talked about him because I picked him, uh, but just uh, the unicorn in this draft. And then my first pick, uh, not only do I think it's the, you know, a, a likely scenario, I think they should try to trade up and go get that guy uh, mm-hmm. or, or defensive end that, that maybe fall into that area on the, on, by the way, going back to the wide receiver uh, position, if they just stick and pick at 15, there's going to be a good one there, whether it's, uh, James Williams, whether it's Traylon Burks, uh, we didn't even talk about Garrett uh, Wilson at all from from Ohio yeah. State, um, who's another. I think he's probably going to be gone by the time the Eagles pick. But uh, if he's there, great, you can get, take him too. Uh, or Chris Olave, you know, there, it's sort of like what I'll call like the quote unquote safety school <laughs> for the Eagles. Like I think they could be aggressive and try to move up uh, for a player, but if just the compensation, uh, if the draft pick compensation is too much to go up there uh, to to get like a defensive end or a Sauce Gardner or Derek Stangley, for example, um, they can just sit back and there's going to be a receiver that falls to them at 15 because all five of those guys aren't going to go. Four yeah. of them aren't going to go. 
probably three of them aren't even going to go. So you're going to have a, a, a pick of, you know, three of those top five guys, in my opinion, uh, at, at 15 or 18 or whatever. Uh, so that's sort of like almost the guarantee. Like that's the that's the floor of what they can walk away with in this draft is a good wide receiver, theoretically. Um, but yeah, those, those would be the three things that I think are th- the three players that I think they would most benefit from from getting Johnson, Jordan Davis, Jameson Williams, and to a lesser degree, Traylon Burks. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anyone, I guess, any notable omissions? Like I would say Garrett Wilson is one. Um, yeah. I, th- I think you could say Nicobe Dean potentially could be one. Yeah, I think it's the guys that I mentioned uh, in a trade back scenario from 15 or 18 or whatever, and they move back to the, the to the back end of the first round. Uh, Arnold Abikidi from uh, defensive end uh, Penn State, Boye Mafe, uh, defensive end Mich- uh, excuse me Minnesota. Uh, Daxton Hill is a guy that's kind of an interesting prospect from uh, Michigan in that he can you know he can play slot corner, he can play safety. I wonder how much they'll value or how much they do value that positional versatility in the Eagles offense. Like if they just view him as a safety only, then, you know, they're not going to take him at 15 or 18 um, because he's just not on the level of like a, a, of a Kyle Hamilton, in my opinion, for example. Uh, but if he's, you know, if they, if they view him as a, as a movable piece, if they think he can play outside corner a little bit too, uh, sort of do a lot of different things, then, you know, I can see the value in a guy like that. And then the other guy is Matt Corral. Like, yeah. I don't think you'd take him at 15 or 18. But again, if you move back and he's still there in the first round, even if he's there in round two, uh, which, you know, that's not part of our exercise here, but that's sort of like the, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the elephant in the room is, is, is in my opinion, is like Matt Corral, it's sort of like a wild card uh, in the Eagles draft here because they did bring him in for a visit, which at a minimum is pretty interesting. Um, and there is some report I've, I, I, I heard anyway, uh, I didn't actually see who reported this or whatever, but they apparently like. They have him as the top-rated quarterback uh, in this draft. I don't know how legitimate that is or whatever. Yeah, I don't know but, about that. Okay, all right. Uh, I don't even really know who put that out, so my apologies if it's you know not like legit or whatever. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that there's evidence that they do like him. Um, I think he's most like um, the quarterback that they tried to trade up uh, in the draft for last year, and I can't believe his name is escaping me. The Jets Zach took him. Wilson. Zach Wilson. I think he's the most like Zach Wilson of any of these quarterbacks in the draft. Um, for a number of different reasons, but uh, the Eagles tried to trade up for Zach Wilson last year, or they wanted to yep. anyway. Uh, but it became clear that the Jets were just going to take him, uh, so they <laughs> aborted that. That I, you know, that 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 potentially a major bullet about a bullet dodge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seems like the the type of profile quarterback that they like. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't completely rule out Matt Corral either for the Eagles. Oh, so some of the trade names uh, I would say, like if they're trading down, would be maybe like George Pickens. Um, mm-hmm. you could put yep. him to the mix. The Eagles had him in for a pre-draft visit, bigger receiver, athletic, um, had some, what, injury issues? It's torn ACL, yeah. Yeah, at, at Georgia. Um, I would say if the Eagles do not get Jordan Davis and hopefully do not get Devontae Wyatt, uh, assuming it's in, you know, 15, Perrion Winfrey, uh, definitely an intriguing target, I think, yep. for them. Again, they trade back early day two, late round one. And what was the last one I had? Travis here? Jones is sort of in the uh, um, Jordan Davis mold, like same similar type of player as him. Mm-hmm. Uh, not anywhere near as athletic, but very powerful. Uh, he like that guy dominated in uh, at, at, in senior bowl practices. It was fun to watch it. So did Perry on Winfrey, by the way. Uh, but yeah, th- those are two you know two additional uh, you know defensive tackle prospects that they can go after. I agree. 
Uh, I don't love the idea of always just, this is a more general point, but like, oh, we don't need to get this awesome player in round one because we can get, you know, some other player in round two. Like, right. well, like, I don't, that's, like, I like Perry on Winfrey a, a lot, but I don't want to be like, well, we don't need to get Jordan Davis because we can just get <laughs> Perry on Winfrey. Like, I don't, I don't love that approach or we don't need to draft, uh, James He'll Williams, probably be gone by the time the Eagles pick in the second round anyway. I agree so. with that. We don't need to get uh, Jamison Williams. We can just get uh, George Pickens or Christian Watson. Like, right. No, right. like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the way I think about it, at least. Um, any final thoughts, Jimmy? Yeah. So uh, because it is, well, this, it's the day before Easter as we, as we record this. I think most people will listen to this uh, either on Easter or thereafter. Let me just give you my top five big board. On candies, very Uh-oh. quickly. So, <laughs> Uh-oh, always <right>. controversial. <laughs> uh, number one, Skittles Wildberry. That's the purple bag. <laughs> Over the sour? Oh God, yeah. Are you serious? Come on. Oh yeah. Uh, number two, Kit Kat. Uh, number three. This is going to be the really controversial one. But you, have you ever had those like those jelly? Like gummy type of like not gummy but like jelly fruit slices. They're yeah. especially yeah. You know, this you... is so insane. I know what you're referring to because I know you've posted this before. <laughs> this is not like a real. I don't even know if this is a real opinion. So you can get really bad ones of those. Like if you get them at like Shoprite or something like that, they probably have like crappy versions of it. But so for example, like you go to Long Beach Island. If you were on the way off the island, seeing the place on the right side, Lucille's Candy. Hmm. You go in there and you like get the fruit slices. And by the way, the fruit slices I'm talking about, they're they're like in the shape of like, um, like an orange, like a, like a watermelon type of slice. Yeah, orange slice would, would is 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 yeah that works too. What are, actually you're probably right. Orange slice is is probably the the, the best shape to comp, to comp them to, and they are, they're all different flavors like cherry, watermelon, orange, lime, etc. And they have Such like the sugar thing. The sh- <laughs> they have like the sugar coating on the outside. They're so good if you get them from the right place. Like they're ridiculous. You put them in the fridge, and they got like the right sort of uh, uh, consistency. They're just incredible candy that I think is insanely overrated, or excuse me, insanely underrated. And you're right, super niche, but they're so good. All right, number four, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, and more specifically, like I like the uh, the smaller individually wrapped ones. I think the they do they, they have a better chocolate to peanut butter ratio i think there's too much peanut butter in my opinion on like the the regular classic flat ones um and then number five um a new addition since i put out my highly controversial candy mock draft years ago the trolley sour bright crawlers more specifically the very berry flavored ones these are like the gummy worms yeah yeah basically yeah yeah i think very, very good pick there to close it out. Love a sour gummy worm. I think those are really nice. Um, not better than a Sour Patch Kid to me, but also I like them as I well. Like sour Patch Kids too, but yeah, not in my uh, top is, five. I, I want to give a shout out here to good friend E. Elizabeth, um, who kind of had this take that she had floating around in her head and she, she spoke it out into existence recently that she believes Easter candy is better than Halloween candy. It's the best time of year. Okay. Because I think, and I think there's, I had to think about it at first. I think, because I think if you think about it in the sense of, if someone asks you, what is the best time for candy? 
Like, what would you say? Like, what, what, what holiday? I think Halloween would be the, the, what, what jumps into everyone's mind. Yeah. Like, yeah. And maybe literally everyone wouldn't say that. Sure. But like the majority easily would say Halloween because it's, it's just, you're so, so, but when you think yeah. about it, I think a lot of the Halloween candy isn't that special. It's just like basic candy. It's like regular candy that is just being shared in high volume. Whereas Easter candy has more like, it's more special. It's like special versions of it. They kind of like get a little bit more creative. That's true. And maybe in theory, it's like fresher too, because it's, you know, it's, it's new product as opposed to it's just okay. product that's been sitting out and they're trying to move it for Halloween. So it's something to think about. Um, Obviously, there's some really bad Easter candy too. Like, you know, yeah, like keeps... Cadbury is gross in my opinion. <laughs> I like a Cadbury. I think that's fine. Okay. But uh, it's not for everyone. Egg. Yeah. I, I, I will admit it's not uh, as wide appealing as some other things. But um, but yeah, like a peeps, peeps is are another one that are, uh, that are, you know, you don't like peeps? Is that what you said? No. Yeah. <laughs> Who likes peeps? My dad, uh, RIP, used to microwave them. And oh my gosh! What are we micro- doing? Well, he would microwave them, and they would puff up like they get super. They <laughs> blow up like blowfish, and then he'd take them out of the microwave, and they would then flatten, and he'd let them sit out for a few hours, where like they and he also and then and then he eat them. Then it's disgusting. He also would purposely make them get stale, and then he would eat them. He liked them better stale than fresh. This is insane. <laughs> it's insane behavior. Sorry to your your late father, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, he was a, he was a big peep guy. Hmm. Interesting phrase. Um. All right, let's <laughs> let's, let's end the show. And uh, it was a good one. We got we covered a lot of prospects. Obviously, we will have another show coming your way this week. That'll be our penultimate show before the draft, which we will do our Eagles seven round mock draft. Jimmy and yep. I each will come up with an entire mock draft that will run through the week of the draft itself. So that's always a big fun episode that we'll do. We'll we'll have that for you. Um, in the meantime, continue to check out bleedinggreennation.com, phillyvoice.com, where Jimmy's work is at. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. Check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to righteousfelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code BGN15 works at wildnaturepet.com for 15% off dog treats. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you can go to roachrealtors.com to contact Chris Roach, or you can text call the following phone number 856-906-9295 or go to roachrealers.com i have to make jimmy say it each time because for some reason i can't remember that phone number in my head it's a bad job by me but it's also better if you say it too because it makes me it lets me know that you're still paying attention to some extent it's like a little (laughs) check-in uh so it's a good time all right follow jimmy kemsky on twitter at jimmy kemsky i'm on twitter and instagram at brandon gouton at BGN underscore radio is where you find the podcast on Twitter. At Bleeding Green is where you find the blog account on Twitter. Uh, we will be back this week to talk about more Eagle stuff, more draft stuff. Maybe the Eagles will do something. Who knows? I don't know. Obviously, there are still some players out there that could potentially be signed. Who knows? Honey Badger still floating out there. So we'll see. Until that time, take care, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. B G and